You probably won't relate to it because it's only things that irresponsible adults do. And I know that this room is filled with very responsible adults as I look around. So um, just try your hardest to try to relate. But um, a while ago, a couple of years ago, actually, um, we arrived home and there was a notice on our door and um, UPS had left it and they basically said, you weren't here, we were. We tried to leave a package that you need to sign for and um, we're going to come back tomorrow and so we would appreciate if you were here tomorrow so that we can make the exchange. And uh, I actually like the language that's on these notices because they're all nice and gentle. Um, you know, sorry we missed you. Um, hopefully you'll be here tomorrow. Um, they check off first attempt in the box. And I know what they're really saying is you just wasted our time, buddy. So be here tomorrow so that our time isn't wasted. Um, but then the next day came and went and we still weren't home. And so they put another sticker on our door. Second attempt. Checkbox. And, um, you know, so letting us know, hey, we tried again, pal, and you weren't here. Um, we stopped at your house and, again, tried to give you your package that you ordered intentionally, and we tried to give it to you, but you don't want it. So we'll be back again tomorrow and try to get you your package that you want. And so the next day came and went, and still, um, we, weren't, we weren't there because we're irresponsible adults. So he left what's called a final notice. Final notice. This is it. I'm not coming back with your package. If you're not here tomorrow, you're going to have to go to the facility. You're going to have to embarrass yourself with all the other um, boneheads that have to go and get there because they're irresponsible too. And you're going to have a whole irresponsible adult party in the area that you can pick up your package. And so lo and behold, the next day came and went and we were not there. And so we had to go pick up the package from the facility. Um, embarrassing as it was. But um, final notices are meant to get our attention. What he meant by final notice is, hey, this is it. I'm not coming back. And uh, much like uh, notices from bill collectors or UPS, um, our text tonight is kind of a final notice um, from Jesus. And it's a final notice to a specific group of people who are unbelieving Jews in Israel at the time. And the rest of the book of John, chapters 13 to 17, um, Jesus is focused on his disciples, and then the crucifixion, and then the resurrection from the dead, and then his appearing to his disciples. But this is it for Israel. And because of the nature of this text, we would be smart to hone in on it and hear what would Jesus say to these people who he is saying this to the, to the last time, kind of final warning. My attention is going to be moved elsewhere after I tell you this. So we're going to look at John 12, end of, the, end of the chapter, verses 44 through 50. It says this, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words... And does not keep them. I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. 
In this passage, we see Jesus provides us with kind of four um, reasons to believe in him, along with the Israelites. It says uh, that we should believe in him because, Jesus says, because I am one with the Father. You should believe in me because I am the light. You should believe in me because my words will judge those that reject me. And you should believe in me because I give eternal life. And as Jesus begins, it says in verse 44, I don't know if you caught it, it says that he cried out. And what that, John actually only uses this term one other time um, in chapter 7 during the Feast of Tabernacles, um, but it's an important distinction to make because it brings a sense of, of, of urgency. Jesus is trying to get their attention. So it literally means to shout in a loud voice. Listen to me, is what Jesus is trying to say. This is really important. Now, it's not an angry tone. So he's not speaking, he's not just casually speaking to them, but he's also not yelling at them. What the tone indicates is that he's pleading with them. Please listen to me. He's aiming at their heart. Because Jesus is about to drop a truth bomb on these unbelieving Israelites, and they need to hear it. Can I be honest? So do we. So do we. And he wants to get their attention. So the first reason Jesus gives to believe in him is, believe in me, because I am one with the Father. Starts out, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. In a nutshell, Jesus is again affirming his unity with the Father. He's basically saying, when you see me, who you're looking at right now is God. I am the same God as the Father. We are both God. And that's important words for Israel to hear. These words are intended to reshape uh, their beliefs. He's mentioned it before through the book of John. In John 10.30, he plainly tells some Jewish leaders, that I and the Father are one, straight up. In John 10, 38, he says that they should, quote, know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. And then in John 8, 19, Jesus rebukes his critics and says, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. So this is an ongoing theme for Jesus because it's important for these people to know it. Now remember, Jesus is shouting these words so that people will listen because they're crucial, but they're not just crucial to understand, they're crucial to believe. And these words are intended, again, to reshape their beliefs and align them to God's. See, he knows the heart of those he's talking to. And what's their hang-up? Authority. Who does this Jesus guy think he is? Who is he to teach us on spiritual matters? This is an authority issue. They will not believe what Jesus says until they buy the fact that what he says is what the Father says. They are wholly and completely united, one being God. Jesus is God at the same degree that the Father is God. And man, is that offensive to them. Jesus is not just a prophet with words from God. Jesus speaks the word of God because he is God. And they just can't figure out how that's true. That's their stumbling block. So Jesus starts things off 
by reminding Israel that you can't say you believe in the Father, yet reject the Son who is equal to the Father. Bottom line, bottom line, hey Israel, I'm God. You're going to have to wrestle with that. But don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. 1 John 2.23 says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Sorry, Israel, but this is a package deal. Now, admittedly, most of us in this room don't struggle with this. We don't have the Jewish heritage and the customary ways of thinking like this. And so we don't, we don't, we don't fail to follow Christ because we don't see Jesus as equal with the Father. That's not really on our radar for, for the most part in our modern society. But I would say that we still share the, most, uh, the biggest issue that the Israelites had, which is authority. You see, the Father played that role for Israel, but we play that role for ourselves today. We are our own gods. And bottom line for us right here would be, hey guys, I'm God, you're not. Let's wrestle with that. Think about that. I'm the God of the universe, and I have something to say. What we celebrate at Christmas is Jesus coming to the world as God to save people from their sins, but he is the God who came to save people from their sins. And that brings us to the next point that Jesus makes. Believe in me because I am the light. Now, I have an eight-year-old son. He's a gymnast. And if I can boast for a minute, he's pretty stinking good at it. Um, so it makes sense that we have a few items around the house that he uses to practice his skills uh, so he can get better. And uh, so one night, um, uh, I'm getting up as I do most nights to get a glass of water. At some point in the night, I'm notoriously getting up. And I know the lay of the land in our house. I've lived there for long enough to know I don't need to turn anything on. I know where everything is. I know every chair, every wall, every wherever. I know exactly how things are supposed to be. Well, this night, we didn't put the gymnastics mat away. And so on my way to the kitchen from my bedroom, I find myself falling, tripping over the mat, doing some sort of spin move that I thought would help me that only worsened things. I slam my arm against the wall and I crash to the ground. I don't, know how, I don't know how anybody didn't wake up because I kind of laid there for a minute and waited for something. No one, no one came to my rescue. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody's checking on me. So I'm just laying there by myself. I won't tell you what I said because I love Jesus. <laughs> but in that moment, a light would have been helpful. Had I turned on the light, I would have seen the actual state of things, not my assumed state of things. Here's the idea. Jesus reveals the truth. As the light, he reveals the truth. He is the truth revealer. We bring a ton of assumptions to the table about spiritual stuff. And I really see Jesus as an equal opportunity offender because he doesn't, he doesn't care what we believe or where, what, how we think about things. He just brings the truth so that we can know it, so that we're not blind to it, so we're not, we're not fooled by lies. You see, when he brings the truth, he reveals the actual state of things, which wages war on our assumed state of things sometimes. Baby Jesus in the manger is cute, but grown-up Jesus rubs us the wrong way sometimes. He's pretty awesome until he tells you you're wrong. And he's doing this right now. I'm God, Israel. He's a great guy until he confronts you on something you believe to the core 
And then we share in the Israelites, and who do you think you are to tell me how to live my life? What I say is what the Father says, because I'm God. And what I say is always true, because I'm God. See, when me and Jesus, when you and Jesus are at odds, we're always wrong. As God, what he says is sinful is sinful, and sometimes that ticks us off. We'd rather they not be sinful. Please understand the purpose of this light coming to the world. Jesus is not revealing the truth to rub it in our face. He's revealing it so we won't ignorantly remain in the darkness. He's bringing light to rescue us out, to pull us out of that darkness. I had a friend who went to, on a missions trip to South America, and the uh, local missionary said uh, to the whole team, hey, by the way, when you go to sleep at night, leave the lights on. Because we have what these giant cockroaches, which will scare the junk out of you if you leave your lights off. So just sleep with the lights on, nothing will happen. Well, one night, someone by habit flicked the lights off. They were the last one in the room. So they woke up the next morning, and somebody turned on the light, and they heard... They said it was like a cloud of darkness dispersing to the walls. Do you realize that there is darkness in us and Jesus wants to shine the light on it to get rid of it so that we'll stop living in it, so that we'll stop loving it. He's revealing it to us, which is so good. Why would we rather live in the darkness? Check this out, John 3, 19 through, 19 through 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may, clearly, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Why would we rather live in darkness instead of light? Because if we're brutally honest, sometimes we're more interested in God pleasing us than us pleasing God. Which leads us to the third reason Jesus gives to believe in him. Believe in me, because my words will judge those that reject me. If anyone hears my voice, or if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That's what he's coming to do, to save the world. But judgment is coming. It says, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. Judgment is a tough pill to swallow. But it's exactly what awaits all those that reject Christ. Again, Jesus is not painting a bleak picture to be a cosmic jerk. When I go to the doctor, think about it this way. When I go to the doctor, I want them to tell me exactly what's going on with me. I don't want them to pretend it's not as bad as it really is. I don't want them to be afraid to hurt my feelings. I don't want them to be scared that I might be upset with bad news. I don't want to live a life free from the knowledge of sickness brewing inside of me only to find out when it's too late that something could have been done. What a horrible doctor I would have if he avoided telling me the truth just so I wouldn't be upset. Jesus is telling us today along with the Israelites, you're sick, but don't ignore this. 
Please listen, shouting and pleading. He's telling, I'm, he says, I'm telling you this because I love you. Do you hear me? I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to tell you what's true. Because you know what comes after the sickness once it's revealed? The remedy and the healing for the sickness. Without me, you are condemned. I didn't come to judge, I came to save, but judgment is coming. And I'm warning you about it so that you can avoid it. I'm the way to avoid it, Jesus is saying. I'm here to save you from it. This is actually the final reason that Jesus gives them to believe in him. Believe in me, because I alone give eternal life. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. But the reason we celebrate it is because the news is so good Because without him, the news is so bad. That's what makes the good news so good. It says, For I I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Again, he's making this case. I and the Father are one, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. That's what he's bringing. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus closes his final warning to unbelieving Israel with yet another claim of his ultimate authority because of his equality with God. And he says, ultimately, eternity is on the line. And I'm here to rescue you. That's why I was born. That's why I lived. That's why I'm going to die. That's why I'll be raised. That's why you'll see me again. That's why I'll ascend. All of it. Hey, no, Syracuse. Jesus would say, I'm God. Everything I'm telling you is God speaking to you. Don't make the mistake of positioning yourself above me. Yes, I came as a baby but I grew into a man and I never sinned and I died a death you should have died and I took your place. See, Jesus doesn't give divine suggestions or helpful heavenly hints for living. He gives eternal life. That's what he came to do. He saves men, women, and children from their sins. It's what he was commanded to give and he promises to give anyone, everyone, who believes in him, eternal life. So as you've seen, Jesus gives four pretty powerful reasons to believe in him. Because I'm one with the Father, because I'm the light and I've revealed the truth, because I will judge those who reject me, and I alone give eternal life. So now comes the moment of truth. Do we believe? What do we do with this message? What do we do with this news? To believe does not simply mean that you think he exists, and this is the way I lived most of my life. I just thought God is real, and that's good enough. But to believe means you put your trust in Jesus. To believe means that he calls the shots in your life. To believe in Jesus means that you've changed your mind about your sin, and you've recalibrated your beliefs according to the Word of God. To believe in Jesus means that you gladly obey his commands because you want nothing more than to give him honor. And so you follow his ways. To believe in Jesus means that you die to yourself, you take off your crown, your self-appointed kingship, and you lay it at his feet. You're my king. Jesus, you're my king. 
To believe in Jesus means that you love the light because it exposes your sin. And you know that your sin has been forgiven. So there's no fear. There's no fear. So the big question we have today is, is Jesus just a cute kid in a manger in swaddling clothes? Some of you have to look up what swaddling means. So nobody knows. Or is he the king of your life? Christmas is not about those gifts under your tree. All of those things will be gone, and I, but I pray that they have an impact on us. And I pray that each gift that we open opens our eyes a little bit more to the gift that was given, who is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? Let's pray. God, it is an honor to know you. It is an honor this evening to worship you because you are our rightful king. God, we thank you for sending Jesus, for giving him the commandment of eternal life that secures our eternity. Jesus, I pray that you would work in our hearts even this evening, that you would help us grasp how good the news of your coming is, how amazing your birth is, how deep that should run through our veins. It's better than we could ever imagine. We love you this evening, Jesus. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.